0: Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Engineering Student Experience Podcast. I'm Paul Nissenson from the Mechanical Engineering Department at Cal Poly Pomona. Close your eyes and try to think about your favorite ride at a major theme park. Maybe it's a roller coaster where you experience large drops and go through loops at really high speed experiencing really strong g-forces. Maybe it's a water ride where you slowly float through an immersive experience where animatronic characters sing to you. Whatever the ride. Behind the scenes, there are many engineers and technicians who are responsible for designing, for building, and for maintaining that ride. Major theme parks, such as Disneyland, Universal Studios, Six Flags, they're part of what's called the themed entertainment industry, which is a term most people are probably unfamiliar with But that's going to be the focus of today's episode. Joining me today to talk about the themed entertainment industry are Andrew Scowron and Jego Santos-Fonseca, who are engineers working at Universal Studios Hollywood. Andrew works as a rides manager, and Jego is a quality engineer, and both work to ensure the rides at Universal Studios operate safely and reliably. I actually met Andrew and Jego when they were undergraduate mechanical engineering students here at Cal Poly Pomona. And it's really great to see both of them become engineering professionals. During the interview, Andrew and Jago describe what the themed entertainment industry is all about. How various types of engineers participate in that industry and how they interact with non-engineers. And if all of this sounds really interesting, Andrew and Jago also talk about how to improve your chances of landing a job in this field. We also touch upon how the coronavirus pandemic has impacted the themed entertainment industry, especially out here in California where we have some of the strongest restrictions in the US. Over the next year, I hope to bring you more interviews with practicing engineers to give you an idea of what day-to-day life is like for engineers in various industries. It can be a bit challenging to conduct these interviews through Zoom like today's interview is conducted, but I'm slowly getting better at it, or at least I think I am. And I'm just grateful that we have the technology that allows me to continue this podcast throughout the pandemic. Before we jump into the interview, I wanted to mention that if you're enjoying this podcast, there are a few ways that you can support it. You can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. You can rate the podcast and leave comments on whatever app you use to listen to the podcast. And finally, you can help spread the word about the podcast by telling your friends, your family, anyone you think that would be interested in this podcast. If you have any comments about this episode, feel free to email me at tesepodcast@gmail.com, and I'll place the email address in the show notes. I'll personally read each email and try my best to respond to all of them. All right, now it's time to learn about the themed entertainment industry from Andrew and Jago. I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, well, I'm here with two guests today, Jago Santos and Andrew Skowron, who are engineers in a field that I think most engineering students probably haven't even considered as a career option, and that is the themed entertainment industry. So Andrew and Jago, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for for having us. us. Thank
0: you. So before we jump into what it's like to be an engineer uh, in this industry, I think it'd be really helpful for the listeners if we get some background information about you both. So maybe we could start with Andrew. How did you become interested in engineering? And uh, what was the path that you took to get where you're at today?
1: Yeah, so throughout high school, you know, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, even as a sophomore in in high school, and uh, I was still kind of searching for that option and and working with my hands and the mechanical side of things really was something that I was drawn to. Um, and so that's kind of where I what I fell into. And uh, I went to three years of community college. I was a little unsure of where I wanted to land up uh, at a university. Uh, so I did three years of community college in Orange County. Uh, and after the third year, I found I found a home at Cal Poly Pomona, um, and I couldn't be more grateful. Uh, it was a fantastic school, um, and I, I majored in mechanical engineering. And in my in my final year of of school at Cal Poly Pomona, um, I thought I actually wanted to go into materials engineering um, and kind of focus in in the sporting goods industry, where I'm um, using a lot of composites and and uh, you know plastics polymers. But uh, as fate would have it, uh, after after I graduated, um, I, d- I didn't have any job set up. Um, it was wasn't until about six months later uh, when I landed here at, at Universal Studios. Um, it was a reference through a, through a professor at uh, at Cal Poly. And uh, I, I couldn't be happier here.
0: That's great. So, Jago, how did you become interested in engineering and what was the path that you took to get where you're at today?
2: Yeah, so when I was in high school, um, I decided on a whim to join a club called MESA, which stood for Mathematics, Engineering, Science, Achievement. And in that club, uh, they focused a lot on competitions, local competitions with other high schools on projects um, each year. So the project that I worked on was this egg drop competition. And I, I noticed that during that time, when I was working on that project, time Flew by, and I really was like immersed in the things that I was doing. And that kind of opened up that path for me. And I really didn't have any exposure to the field of engineering. My family doesn't really have that background. So I kind of had to dive into that field and do some research myself. Um, So during my senior year of high school, that's when I started looking to apply to different universities for the field of engineering. And I think it wasn't until I submitted my application that I really knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into a program that was a little bit more broad, but in a field that I feel like I had the ability to go into any industry I wanted to. And that's kind of when I decided to become a mechanical engineer. I got accepted into Cal Poly Pomona and spent four years there just really learning about what it is to be an engineer. And I think. It was during my sophomore year that I got introduced into themed entertainment. Um, I was already familiar with what an Imagineer was, but what I didn't know was all the other areas or other other industries or theme parks that I could possibly have an opportunity with as well. And I was fortunately came across a recruiter at a Society of Women Engineers event for NBC Universal and. It was really interesting because there was nobody going to that booth and i think it's because nobody really understood why they were there Uh, it was just an nbc universal banner and not really not really anything on the table so i went up to them and asked i was like do you guys hire for mechanical engineers and that's when i kind of learned about that it was pretty pretty much similar to what you would expect from a disney imagineer but they had all of that at universal and that's kind of where I learned about that industry and fortunately through that recruiter, I was able to get an internship there and have pretty much been working there ever since graduation.
0: So I think most of the listeners probably don't have any idea or have never heard of the term, you know, themed entertainment. Uh, So if you could, in a few sentences, describe for the listeners, what is the themed entertainment industry?
2: hopefully I do this some justice, but themed entertainment is essentially bringing um, what is a theme to life, whether it be through an attraction, or through a show, and that is combining different forms of uh, engineering, and show production to be able to bring a guest experience to life. So whether that be a ride attraction, like a roller coaster that's themed like Harry Potter, or whether that be something like Transformers, where it's an indoor 3D ride, it's bringing that experience that you typically see in like the movies or like, through the book, but immersive. I don't know if that makes any sense. But that's how I would explain it.
0: Andrew, would you add anything else to that description?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's all encompassing of the show that we put on for the guests, immersing them in, in that land and the engineering and the design work that comes from all aspects. You know, um, yeah, we have engineers, but we also have uh, those who have experience in the film industry and the and the theme costuming. and uh, really, there are it, it is a whole such a wide variety of industries that sort of come together to make these immersive lands and experience for the guests possible.
0: So when you both were first year engineering students, it sounded like you both really didn't have any idea that you would have uh, wound up uh, in this field. So uh, what I'm interested in knowing is were, were there uh, various projects maybe in college that really sparked your interest? How did you eventually you know, really get interested in this industry or was it just Hey, NBC Universal was offering this job. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take whatever job I can get.
1: For me, it truly was a—I don't want to say on a whim, but I didn't know that this was an option. And and you know, I know Jago has a little bit different of a perspective, um, where we have individuals that work here uh, at our at the company at Universal who have wanted to be in this industry for many many years, and. I had none of really that that prior experience or knowledge of the industry. And I really wasn't a big theme park goer myself. And when I was offered the opportunity, uh, you know, it sounded, shoot, I get to work at Universal Studios and we're about to open Harry Potter Land, Wizarding World of Harry Potter uh, in 2016. Um, and it just seemed like, you know, a great opportunity. And um, being now so... I guess, immersed in this, in this, uh, this industry, um, I truly see the appeal and I'll admit still to this day, I am not a huge theme park goer, but what I will say is that having worked on this side now and worked in this industry, I truly, truly love and appreciate the show that we put on for the guests. And that's sort of my driver every day. It's not that I like to go to other theme parks or even our theme park on the weekends. Uh, but it's what we provide to the guests. Uh, that that sort of drives me, and I and yeah, I, I came upon it by a reference and was sort of thrown into this world. But I, I couldn't be happier, and and I foresee, you know, I, I foresee um, at least being part of this for for quite a long time.
0: How about you, Jago?
2: Um, I think I essentially had an idea that this industry existed, but I didn't know specifically what it entailed. Again, I learned about Imagineering and just that side of theme park engineering at a young age, but that didn't really expose me to much. So I knew that Disney had something. So in my head, I knew for sure that Universal had to have something similar as well. So um, when I did apply, I kind of was imagining all the different things that I could possibly do. But it wasn't until I started interning here that I truly understood what it means to be an engineer working at a theme park. Like Andrew said, we're only one part of the whole machine. There are other different types of groups that we work with, not just engineers. And that's something that was is very important to understand. And I think that's what makes it more exciting is when you start working at a place like Universal, you're not just working from behind the desk, you are actually working inside the theme park itself. So I think that was kind of a reminder of just how exciting this field can be when every single day you're driving to the theme park and you see firsthand the work that you're doing. So hopefully I answered the question.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're recording this episode in January 2021. So we're in the middle of a pandemic now that hopefully will get better (laughs) over time. Uh, But so pre-pandemic, which will hopefully be normal times that we'll all get back to eventually, what is or what was day-to-day life like for you uh, at your job? You know, what was your workplace like? Did you get to go about the park a lot? Were you working outdoors? Were you in a cubicle a lot? What was your day-to-day life like?
1: That's one of the things that that makes this job so special is, I mean, every day literally is something new, um, but, but what I can kind of generally expect on a day-to-day basis I think I should maybe back up and 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 talk about my position. Um, I'm a rides manager. Uh, I oversee our uh, the technical maintenance of uh, a handful of our rides, um, and so I'm overseeing our technicians that are working on the rides. We have we have three different uh, distinctions of technicians from the mechanical aspects to the show or or projection and lighting, uh, and then we have the show quality, which we call our figure finishers, and they 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 are the aesthetic technicians or artists, even, even better uh, to put it. So really my job function is to, uh, is to give them the tools that they need to do their jobs and to ensure that the rides are safe uh, for the guests every day uh, and to ensure that they look their best and, and perform their best. Um, so that's really my primary function uh, in my position. Uh, so coming into a day of work, I'll usually get in pretty early. Most of our rides are inspected overnight, so with a graveyard crew working from, say, 10 or, you know, even a midnight start time, and they get off at 6 or 8 a.m. So I'm usually in about 5 a.m., but I'll do a, a, ch- a general check-in with each group, and if we had any issues o- in overnight, uh, we can kind of speak to them and work towards a resolution before the park even opens to guests, you know, around the, you know, 8, 9, or 10 a- 10 a.m. hour stuff that's not even visible to the guests. And, uh, you know, it, it's often a spur of the moment where we have to, you know, get resolutions to the, to, to problems, uh, replace parts, whatever it may be. Uh, but the goal is always to be ready for guests first thing in the morning uh, and have our rides ready. On top of that, uh, you know, once the ride is open, I have, I have a number of hours where I'm still on site. Uh, and really that's either catching up with longer term projects, project planning, maintenance planning. Uh, it could be Revising our maintenance procedures. It could be even looking at new opportunities for for reliability changes. Uh, reliability engineering is a huge part of our of our job function here, and really, yeah, like the long term um, planning aspects of of what we do here.
0: Jago, what was your day to day experience like uh, before the pandemic happened?
2: I actually started in uh, working under Andrew, actually, when I was first hired on board. So uh, about the first year and a half of my role at Universal, I was doing, supporting pretty much the projects that Andrew was working on as well. And then for the past year and a half or so, I've been working with the quality engineering department, specifically for reliability engineering, and essentially, my day to day consists of Working on reliability centered maintenance. And just to kind of speak on that a little bit, it's our way of saying that we're trying to predict things before they fail as much as possible using data that we acquire from past experience. So, based on logs that the technicians would pretty much generate as to how often they've changed a part or how often something fails, we use that to predict what we think we should have in terms of a maintenance practice and a maintenance timeline. So um, my job pretty much consists of supporting Andrew's team as well as our other quality engineers and our mechanical engineering team in order to ensure that our parts are performing as properly as possible.
0: Yeah, I always find it amazing that you have these really large, complicated rides and for the most part, they're always running when you go to a theme park. It's, it's, <laughs> kind, of, it's kind of amazing. We uh, hope so. We try. <laughs> so you've mentioned how you worked with artists and technicians. And I heard you, Jago, just mentioned that you oversee some or you work with some mechanical engineers. What I'm wondering is, what other kind of engineers do you interact with? Like, Do you interact with electrical engineers or computer engineers? And what kind of jobs do those engineers often do?
2: I got that question a lot when we were at the SWE national conference and there was people looking for internships because, you know, without having prior knowledge of this industry, you would assume that for a mechanical engineer, they would be doing strictly mechanical related stuff or for a civil engineer, they'll be doing just that stuff. But in reality, what we look for when we're hiring engineers is just the broad depth of engineering knowledge, It's great to have specific knowledge about your field itself, but that's not necessarily mandatory, nor is it all that you do when you work here. So we have, for example, within our managers, we have electrical engineers, chemical engineers, mechanical engineers, so on and so forth that cross over into different job functions and pretty much support one another. What I mentioned earlier is we do have a mechanical engineering team but that is, I would say, unique in 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 regards to our particular department because, in general, all of the engineers pretty much support one another and aren't siloed in that in the group that they're a part of.
1: Yes, mechanical engineers are not siloed into a specific area. I graduated with a mechanical engineering degree. Jago, you did as well. Uh, we have mechanical engineers that are rides managers, that oversee our, our, our maintenance. We have ride uh, mechanical engineers that, uh, like yourself, uh, on the quality uh, quality engineering team, we have mechanical engineers in mechanical engineering positions. Uh, we have mechanical engineers in our facilities team that are overseeing the, the building maintenance, HVAC systems and plumbing systems and that sort of thing. And I use mechanical engineering as an example, but like like Jigo said, we have chemical engineers, we have electrical engineers. The I think that the um, the ability to learn and the ability to ultimately garner the skill set that you need is more important than initially right off the bat the skill set that you the knowledge that you do do bring to the table. Um, I came in as you know f- fresh out of school. Um, I didn't. I really hadn't had much experience with hydraulics, and essentially seventy five percent of the venues I was overseeing right at the at the outset was venues that were powered by hydraulic systems. Um, so it was something I really had to learn on the job with, talk with the technicians, learn from the technicians, which has been uh, the biggest thing for me, in and, and, and kind of learning the skill sets that I need to perform at my job.
0: So based on what you're saying, do you think it would be accurate to say that there are a wide variety of options depending on, uh, regardless of which engineering degree you get, or do you think that getting a certain type of engineering degree will make it easier to be hired in the themed uh, entertainment industry?
2: I definitely don't think that it's impossible for you to get into this field. Let's say if you have an electrical engineering degree versus like a mechanical engineering degree. But I can I can say that it is a little bit more uncommon to hire an aerospace engineer or like a, a something like a... Materials and processing engineer where it's a little bit more specialized yeah, in yeah. this field, just because it's it's not that we wouldn't we would ex- exclude them. It's more so you have to have a compelling enough reason as to why you went into that field. And all of a sudden you are trying to go into exactly. our industry, exactly. you know, during my interview process, they asked a, a lot about general projects that I worked on and how I engaged with teams and how those skill set can be applicable towards the theme park industry. So I think as long as you're able to make that connect, having uh, more general backgrounds in engineering is I think a little bit more typical, but again, not impossible if you are in other areas of engineering.
1: And and some of it too comes down to the equipment that we're, that we're dealing with. When you look at the long-term reliability of a system, often it's not the either controls equipment or the electrical systems that 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 wear out over time we are replacing more mechanical components bearings uh you know uh wheels that sort of thing so we're i think jago and i we're going to have to come in this to this speaking on a little bit more of the maintenance and reliability end because i do know that the electrical engineering aspect you know the side of things and everything else leading up while you're building the ride Uh, designing that sort of thing that absolutely comes into play. And I think there's such a wide variety of disciplines that you can have to come into the field. I just have to kind of give the disclaimer that Jago and I are speaking on the maintenance reliability side. So you are going to see some of the, more of the mechanical aspects wear out over time. And that's, that's I think where we're going to have to just sway our answer a little bit. But I think as a general, if we're talking theme park theme theme themed entertainment industry, I gotta say that you know there's not one, one discipline that that has a favor you know favoritism over another.
0: So right now, what is the most popular ride at Universal Studios? (laughs) I'm
2: biased.
0: You're biased.
2: (laughs) I'm biased. Okay,
0: okay, let me rephrase it, Jago. Give me your favorite ride.
2: Okay, so my favorite ride because I've worked in it is the Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey ride. But full disclaimer, I have motion sickness, so I can't go <laughs> in that ride for like more than once a day without like getting <laughs> nauseous. But I love it and it's beautiful. Um, and that for sure is my favorite ride.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, just giving me a little pitch here. Uh, it kind of sits at the forefront of the technology available right now. And uh, I, I can't speak too much onto it because that's the the magic of the wizarding world of Harry Potter. But you know, I, I'm sure there's there's some information out there on the internet that that uh, that you could look up. But uh, the the yes, the forefront of the technology and and the systems that they've integrated, just stuff that had never been done in the themed entertainment industry, in theme parks, in amusement parks, it had never been done prior to this ride um so i i and it is so immersive unlike anything else this the second you step into the queue line lining up um you are immersed for the you know upwards of how you know from the either five minutes you're sitting in line or the two hours that you're standing in line you are immersed in a story from the second you step in the in the line to the second you get off the ride and that's what's that's what's so incredible. Now we have some other stuff coming up. I obviously can't speak on that, but at this moment, Harry Potter for the, the Forbidden Journey is is my top.
0: So you've talked a bit about the, the long-term maintenance that would go into a, a ride like that, but for the initial design and, and the building of the ride, what kind of engineers would you typically uh, see involved in that?
1: I know a lot of people are probably familiar with Imagineering and
0: well, for, for the listeners, maybe you could, uh, th- there are probably many who are, but probably many who aren't, and it would be helpful to uh, describe it. Sure, let me back
1: up for just a second. So um, Imagineering, uh, which is Disney's in-house, uh, essentially theme park engineering or themed entertainment engineering division, they they design and conceptualize the ride from the very beginning up until the grand opening date. So they are building the ride, designing it. Um, We have an equivalent team called Universal Creative, um, who does a very similar function as Disney Imagineering. In Universal Creative, we tend to, it's just, we've tended to use a lot of outside vendors to get the work done. So we may be looking for the special effects of the ride, may go out to one vendor, and the ride system itself may go out to another vendor. Um, I know Disney tends to keep things a little bit more in-house. Uh, where their their engineering team is the ones actually designing the, the ride and the ride systems and the special effects. But looking at these vendors that we've worked with in the past, electrical engineers, controls engineers to design the, the control system, mechanical engineers to, to, to ensure that the structural integrity of the components are not only adequate, but meet and exceed uh, m- almost every industry out there. Um, because really, in the end at the end of the day, we are dealing with guests life safety. Um, it's there's life we consider them life safety components. So um, the the factors of safety that we that we deal with are kind of on the scale of uh, the aerospace industry if i if I had to relate it to something. So such a wide variety, um, yeah, like I said, controls, electrical, mechanical, they're all utilized in the vendors developing this equipment for us.
2: So to add on to what Andrew was saying, um, two parts that I wanted to add, in addition to you know the mechanical, electrical, controls, engineering that we have, we also have civil engineers that deal with the layout of where we're going to put the ride and how it fits with the area that we're going to b- build it upon. One major thing that we started doing a lot more is including technical... So let me backtrack a little bit. So me and Andrew are part of the technical services department here at Universal. And again, as we mentioned before, that is primarily focused on maintenance and sustainment. And when you're designing a new ride, oftentimes, you don't really think too much about how it's going to be maintained. And that's something that people like us, have to deal with in the far future once it's actually time to change out a part. So um, Andrew, again, has firsthand experience of being part of projects where he's had to be that set of eyes and, you know, that person that had to give recommendations as to, hey, no, this is the best place to put this particular maintenance bay at, or this is the particular place we should add a hatch so that we can access this particular component at. And that's something where you You had the universal creative team, but you also have to make sure that there's people with maintenance backgrounds that work in that design process. So that's thought of and designed prior to the ride opening.
0: So when you've described a lot of uh, sort of hands-on activities and lots of design activities, how much in your everyday jobs, how much report writing is there and how much presentations and trying to convince people of your ideas in there. In other words, how important are your communication skills in your day-to-day activities?
2: Oh uh, so I would say we don't communicate at all. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So um as as we mentioned a lot of our job involves interacting with other people, whether it be technicians or operations personnel or even within other engineers or or business leaders, we are gen we are communicating with other people frequently and pretty much every day for all of our jobs. So that is a big part of our our role. In regards to report writing, I think me and Andrew have a different amount that we would have to do because of the role of our our job. But I would say most of the time we're on the floor, I would say about like 60% of the time in my role and the other 40% we would be on our desk, you know, writing Reports or emails or communicating with other personnel in regards to presentations and meetings. That's something that pretty much either happens on a whim or I would say pretty regularly. And that's just again speaking from my particular department in my group.
1: So yeah, adding on to what Jago said, I think that uh, the the communication here is I don't and I don't have a whole lot of experience to go based on in, in outside the, the the industry here. But we have a, uh, an ability to really communicate with every department across our uh, across our company. Um, we could be speaking to many different departments any one given day. Likewise, within our own departments, you know, we're, we have a very open and fluid communication to where I could be talking to some of our senior leadership one day um, about an issue. They they have the you know the kind of the ability to come come straight to us and say, Hey, can you can you explain to me what's going on? So that interpersonal skill set, I think, is. Is the most important and not just upwards but downwards as well one of the the biggest things that that i've really had to learn is talking to technicians on a day-to-day basis and coming to them yeah maybe i have the degree but you this technician um or this group of technicians has been working at the park for 20 plus years you know how do you come across to them uh and the way that you present yourself is it shows a lot and we've i can't say what's been without Without issue in the past, that uh, you know we've had some engineers who think that you know they I don't want to say know it alls, but uh, that tames, tends to be a little bit of a stereotype of, of engineers. But they come in and the, you know the technicians just almost blow them off. And and I know Jago's laughing because because she knows um, some of these stories. But really, one thing I have to say, and, and if I can give one moral, of this is: if you come into any position where you're dealing with those who are veterans or who have a lot of experience. Be humble and be willing to learn and go out of your way to learn um, from those who have the experience, uh, because it is going to go not only a long way for the knowledge that you have, but a long way in showing others that you're willing to learn and willing to put yourself out there like that.
0: Yeah, definitely respecting those who have that institutional knowledge can be very important, I think, in any job site. Exactly,
1: yeah.
2: And sorry, if I may add, I, I definitely want to to add to that and say that it is really important to know your audience because you know speaking to technician versus speaking to someone in operations you're not using the same nomenclature that you would necessarily use to convince them of one thing or another it's really important to to understand what it is that is important to that particular group and kind of just cater around that so
0: so as we're recording this, uh, we are about eight months into the pandemic and California, which is where we all live and work, um, has been very aggressive about shutting down theme parks. Uh, so I know we've been talking about a very happy you know, subject so far, but how has the pandemic impacted the entire industry, uh, the entire themed entertainment industry? And how have you been affected during the pandemic?
1: it's been, I, I won't lie and say that it's all been fine and dandy. It's, it's been very tough. I, I still remember the surreal moment um, when we were all called into a room and now thinking back, all called in the same room. Uh, the day that we were announced the pandemic was, you know, a thing. Uh, it was probably not the greatest, but it, it's, it's been extremely challenging. We've um, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, been a lot of stories out there. Disney and universal have had a, you know, had to take big hits in terms of their, their staffing right now. So I, I've been fortunate to to be kept on site with a with a handful of our technicians, um, and really our our function right now is to to is actually two things. One is to keep our systems moving and keep them kind of awake. Um, we run our rides uh, maybe two times per week. Um, this is to keep a lot of our urethane wheels round, keep them from flat spotting, keep our gearboxes lubricated. We've actually something we really had never considered was hydraulic oil getting too cold. Uh, we had some systems that the first week that we shut down, we hadn't turned them on in about a week, and there was a low, low temperature cutoff that the system prevented us from even turning turning it back on, which was something that we had never experienced before. Because really, on a normal day, we the, the the oil may only be sitting for maybe four or five hours, and we're starting right back up for the next day. So those were some some definitely some learning experiences. We've also been given. Some some leeway and, and a little bit here and there and some some projects that we know we had to do we at the time didn't know when we'd have the chop chance to do them if it's a, a a ride that has to be down for for a number of days to get the project done and I've been we've been fortunate that our senior leadership has has given us the green light on to to do some of the stuff that um, really we've been we've had to put off for a little while whether it, it, it could be definitely it could be strictly show quality we've had we've gotten tons and tons of you know repainting and and doing things that repainting the right way with with the materials and coats that are going to last. Uh, but also going out and 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 doing full-scale replacements of uh, of some parts that um, uh, weren't out of spec, but you know something we knew we were gonna have to do and this is a great opportunity to do so. How about you, Jago?
2: So I clearly remember um, having a conversation at the coffee station with one of my coworkers, and he was like, "You know, I'm surprised we're not closing down yet. I feel like we're gonna close down within the next couple of days." And I was just, it it, it was hard for me to really process that because, you know, you know, Universal doesn't close. We don't close for holidays. We're operating pretty much twenty four seven. And, you know, whether or not the park is closed, there are people on site. So just the idea of that happening, just it it was really hard for me to process. And then within that conversation to when we got the announcement that we were going to be closing in a few days was probably like four hours. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, a few days later, you know, it was it felt a lot more real because that was our last day on the park. And I remember, you know, being in line for our food, pan, like our food. How do you how do you explain that? I was in line and they were giving away food from our kitchen because they knew that since the park was going to close, there's a lot of fresh food that's no longer going to be like viable. So I took like a five pound bag of chopped carrots home thinking that I was going to be back by the end of the month. And it's been closed since. So that was just really surreal to me. And I, I don't think I really understood the full extent of how severe the whole situation was until months later, really. And You know, I was very fortunate enough to be able to work from home for about five months, four four or five months. And um, as what Andrew said, our industry has been impacted severely. And a big part of my job is dependent on the rides operating and guests being here. So I'm very fortunate that I am still employed. Um, However, I am currently furloughed and waiting for the park to be open again so that I can come back on site. But with that being said it it has taken a toll on the entire industry and it is something that um you know i definitely took for granted in the past and we just can't wait until everything goes back to normal again yeah
0: yeah i live relatively close to disneyland and one of the main streets that goes near disneyland is harbor boulevard and on a typical day the, if you would be driving along that street, you'd see thousands and thousands of people with Mickey Mouse ears and Disney gear on and thousands of people with Convention Center badges on because uh, the Anaheim Convention Center's right nearby too. And it's just a ghost town. And there's all these hotels and restaurants and other things as well that have been impacted.
2: And and, and like you mentioned, um, I think prior to this pandemic happening, there was a lot of talk about how this era of theme parks was considered like the golden age of theme parks. You know, Disney was competing with Universal and there was just groundbreaking technology after groundbreaking technology that was coming out and it was a very, very exciting time. So definitely not something that I think either company or even, you know, beyond Universal and Disney could have ever expected. So um, it's going to be quite a feat to to see how things are going to be after this but that being said i think all of us are just waiting for things to go back to normal
0: so jago while you've been furloughed is there anything that you've been doing with your with your time
2: yeah so um very exciting actually i've been putting it off for some time um until i found the perfect opportunity and you know, once I started working from home, it gave me the push that I needed. So I started a YouTube channel called Tink Tank. And it's primarily focused on exposing people who are either interested in STEM or more more so the younger generation, the different things that you can do in this particular field. So I do uh, STEM toy reviews, uh, demonstrations, as well as just at home experiments to show how fun it can be and just kind of the different things that you can do if you have younger siblings or kids of your own and that you can do and work together to learn more about the science and engineering field. So that's been very exciting. And I'm I'm trying to grow that even further. And that's been a little fun project of mine during this quarantining time.
0: No, it's great that you're finding something to do with your time. And uh, I know for me, uh, I've made several episodes about the pandemic because this is hope. Hopefully, we'll see. Hopefully, this will be a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for certain things. We'll we'll see about that. So if someone is interested in working in this field, maybe they're a high school student now or a second-year engineering student in college, how can they better prepare themselves to be hired in this field? Um, And is there there certain engineering courses or non-engineering courses that they can take to become better prepared?
2: I didn't really find out about these particular resources until after I graduated. But as Andrew mentioned earlier, we have a lot of people that we work with that have known that they wanted to be in this industry for a very long time. And based on their experiences, they've introduced us to these different resources that they were a part of while they were in college before they got into the industry. And one of those is a a club called the TEA, which is the themed entertainment association there's also different conventions and clubs like that that they can be a part of where there are theme park engineers and themed entertainment engineers that they can network with and you know possibly have exposure to internships and other opportunities before they're even you know made public on on their their company site and just kind of get exposure to the theme park industry if they want to learn more about that now in regards to special classes, you know, if your school so happens to have a entertainment industry type of course, obviously take that course. It would get you a better opportunity and 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 chance to learn more about what it is that we do, but in the case that you don't, just having any type of project experience at all where you're working in a team and you you have to communicate with others, I think will generally help you prepare for this type of industry.
1: Yeah, and I, and to add on to that, I think that, you know, mm-hmm. themed entertainment is a difficult one to, there are no generally no specialty classes. What I would recommend if, if this is truly something that you want to look into or try and pursue um, is is showing the interest. Like Jago mentioned, TEA. Um, a couple of our Cal Poly uh, schools in California have TEA associations, local student chapters. Reach out to them. I know there's themed entertainment clubs elsewhere outside of school, but on top of that, don't just look at the, the providers of the entertainment. So the universal and the Disney and the six flags and the sea world and the Lego land like we have here in California, look, there are hundreds of companies in across many, many different industries that provide services to us. And looking towards those and finding those companies that maybe provide, you know, there's companies out there that provide animated figures. They design and and manufacture animated figures for for attractions. There, there's ride system vendors um, and manufacturers. Finding those companies can really get your foot uh, your foot in the door. Um, we've had a number of people that either have interned there or interned here and gone to work for that company or come to work here. So just doing a little bit of research and kind of feeling out, and I think. Kind of getting involved, or even um, whether it's virtually or in person, getting involved with TEA and and like like Jago said, IAPA can get you some insight as to what companies those are, because once you know kind of who they are, you can you can seek those out individually rather than just kind of broadly saying, I'd like to work at Universal or I'd like to work at Disney. We'd love to have you, but there's very limited positions as in any industry uh, compared to the whole industry as a whole. Um, relatively few number of positions available at the parks themselves.
0: And I'll put links to those various organizations in the show notes in case anyone's interested. So before I let you both go, uh, do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners who might be considering a career in the themed entertainment industry?
1: Yeah, I do. One thing I like to talk about when when I'm talking to individuals that are um, either coming through high school or coming through colleges, even. I like to give the example that I didn't know I graduated my undergrad with without an idea of where I wanted to end up. Yeah, I thought I had a kind of an industry I wanted to go into, uh, but it wasn't even until after that after I graduated that i that I found uh, the the themed entertainment industry. Um and so the point I like to make is it's okay to not know, and it's okay to not know your first job out of out of college that maybe this isn't this isn't the right fit for you but just continue to pursue something that you really enjoy and really can thrive in and and really give it your all because i think that's extremely important uh, in keeping keeping yourself motivated i didn't know that theme what i was getting myself into to, to themed entertainment i didn't i wasn't a fan i will say of of theme parks or going to theme parks but it's opened my eyes uh, that this is truly something that I'm I'm now passionate about and, and the experience that we put on. And it doesn't have to be themed entertainment is my point, whether it's automotive industry or manufacturing or whatever, but find an industry and continue to pursue for that industry where you think you could be successful and and truly like to do what you're going to do, because it's going to give you the drive and the motivation to do great things. Yeah.
2: And to finish that off um definitely use the resources around you, whether that be just talking to your professors, joining clubs, trying to get as active and as you can possibly get in your campus, because again, you're only an undergrad, an undergraduate student once. And once you're out of college, those resources are no longer as available for you. So definitely take advantage of what you can a- as much as possible um, for me. I wouldn't have been able to have this opportunity at Universal if it wasn't for the Society of Women Engineers. I went to the conference and I was able to talk to a recruiter there and again that was just by putting myself out there and being involved on on campus activities. So if you can and if you are unsure of the path that you want to do, check those areas out because there are people that are willing to help you find connections to specific industries that you are interested in and if You don't know, that's a good area for you to find out what you are interested in. So be as involved as you can on campus and things will work out eventually. They typically do.
0: That's some great advice. Well, Jago and Andrew, thank you so much for giving up some of your time to uh, help our listeners understand what the themed entertainment industry is all about. I've certainly learned a lot. And I hope as the vaccines slowly get rolled out, and toward the end of 2021, you know, we'll see a, a resurgence of people who are able to visit these parks and and get to enjoy the work that you do.
1: Well, thank you for having us. We, we truly appreciate it. And we, love, we love talking about it. I can
0: tell you that. I can tell the passion in your voice. <laughs>
2: it was very fun. <laughs>
0: I'd like to, again, thank Andrew and Jago for sharing their experiences of working in the themed entertainment industry. And I really hope that this episode has given you a better idea of the various job opportunities that exist in this industry, You know, an industry that most engineering students probably never think about. Throughout the interview, Andrew and Jago mentioned several organizations like Universal Creative, Disney Imagineering the themed entertainment association, as well as Jago's new YouTube channel named Tink Tank. And I'll put links to all these organizations in the show notes. Well, take care, everyone. Be safe. And goodbye for now.